good to see everyone out this morning. I hope and pray that you're doing well. Um, we're going to continue our little mini-series titled Daily Habits of Godly Living. This will be part three of that little series. Uh, before I get into that series, uh, I want to let you know that if you hear me have a little coughing spell or something like that, I don't have COVID. Uh, I went tested and I was negative yesterday. I did that just to be sure uh, for everybody's sake. But uh, a lot of people are having uh, allergies and sinus issues and things right now. And so uh, that's, that's all it is. So don't, don't be afraid of me. I'm okay. Uh, but let's uh, continue our study together. And our lesson text, as you know, is Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and also verse 12 where Paul writes to the preacher Titus, and he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. When we look at that small passage of Scripture, we see that without a doubt, it is possible for people to live godly lives in this world. No matter how wicked this world becomes, we can still continue to be faithful to God and live the way that God would have us to live. And for those who are living godly lives, it is very evident because they have daily habits, godly habits that they practice every day in their lives. So in this series, we have not really uh, focused on just uh, something that we do from time to time habitually, but really what we do from day to day, habits that we should have in our daily lives. A habit is nothing more than a practice, a custom, a pattern, a routine. It's like you brush your teeth every morning. Hopefully that you have that habit. That's a good habit. You brush your teeth every morning, you brush your teeth before you go to bed, perhaps in between. But we, we are creatures of habit, right? Some habits are bad and some habits are good. But today we're talking about those good habits, daily habits of godly living. We've already noticed about four. The first one was prayer. Those that live godly lives, they pray daily. And I hope and pray we that we pray multiple times during the day. We noticed examples like Daniel. You remember the Bible clearly states that he prayed three times a day. He went to that window facing Jerusalem and he prayed to his God three times a day. Now we need to be praying to our God multiple times during the day. That's how we communicate to God. He communicates to us through his word. We read the word of God. We study the word of God. That's how he talks to us. And we talk to him in prayer. What a privilege it is. Because we know that God does not hear the prayers of sinners. John 9, 31. But he hears the prayers of the righteous. 1 Peter 3, 12. And so he listens to us. He hears what we have to say. He encourages us in his word to, to come to him in prayer. To make our requests before him. Uh, in prayer. Also, we notice another daily habit that those that are living godly lives have that can be seen is their trust in God. They pray and then they trust God to provide for them what they need. So every day in their lives, they have this positive attitude because they know 
that their future does not really so much depend upon themselves, but on God. And they trust in him to do for them what they cannot do for themselves. And so isn't it wonderful to be in Christ Jesus, knowing that we can have the habit of prayer and pray to him on a daily basis. And then on a daily basis, we can trust him. We lean not into on our own understanding. As Jeremiah says, that, that is not the way of man. It's not the way to go. Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, we know that the way of man uh, and the way he walks is of God, not of man. We can't, we can't do it on our own. We can't know what we need to know if we trust in ourselves and our own doings. So when man fails is when man begins to trust in himself, when he looks at himself instead of looking to God and trusting him. Another daily habit that we have, those that live godly lives, is they study. They study. They study the word of God. Solomon said that of making books, there, there's no end. There's many books written by man. And he also said that much studying is awareness of the flesh, Ecclesiastes 12, 12. But we know what we need to be studying, that is the word of God, 2 Timothy 2, 15. So that we can rightly divide it, so that we'll not be ashamed. And so you'll see those that are living godly lives are able to live godly lives because they study the word of God daily. Remember Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how they're able to be strong and to overcome and be successful as they fight the spiritual battle that is before us. Because they have a daily habit of studying, meditating as David wrote in Psalm 1, in the law of the Lord, day and night. Another habit we've noticed is that of obedience. You look at their lives, and they're always obeying what they have learned from the Word of God. Not saying that they do it flawlessly or perfectly, or they never miss the mark, because from time to time we do. John said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But our goal is every day to be as much like Jesus as we can be. Be obedient. He became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. And so we strive to obey God. Those, that's just something that we do. Godly people do every day. You don't really have to think about it so much. It's just it's what we do. We pray. We trust. We study. We obey daily. What we want to talk about this morning is another habit. A daily habit. And that is the daily habit of giving. Godly people give daily. And when I talk about giving, I'm talking about giving their time. They, they give their money, their resources. They, they give attention. They just, they give. It may be preparing meals. It may be taking the time to, to, to get cards and to send cards. And they're just always looking for opportunities to serve others. They want to give, give, give. And we know, we learn that from God. Because God is a daily giver, right? What if God only gave once a week or once a month to us? Uh, what kind of fix would we be in? You know, when Jesus was on earth, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that he went about doing good. It wasn't just like once a week. In his daily life, every day he went about looking for good to do 
and doing good. It was a daily thing with him. John wrote in John 21 verse 25 and said, There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. So we have many things written about Jesus that Jesus did, how he went about doing good and healing people and saving people, all that he did, feeding people, taking care of them, meeting their needs. And then John says, if everything Jesus wrote, and I'm sure there's a little exaggeration here, but the point we get is the world couldn't hold all the books it would take to record everything that Jesus did. And all that he did was good. And so it was a daily habit with him. Not to mention him giving his life. That was a one-time thing. 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. But he also did things daily. God, just think about what God does every day. You know, the Bible says in James 1, 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good gift, every good giving, everything we receive comes from God. And we receive good every single day, all day long. God just blesses and blesses and blesses. That's why when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, you remember one of the things that he mentioned in that model prayer was, give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever been a day without eating? Have you ever been a week without eating? Can you imagine? Some people have. Remember, we just noticed that uh, Moses was 40 days without eating. And so was Christ when he was tempted. I can't imagine what one day, I didn't hardly like to miss a meal. But God blesses us daily, doesn't he? And so we pray for him to provide for us daily. We don't want him to do good just one day and skip a couple of days and then bless us and then... No, we want those daily blessings and he is, daily gives to us. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, the Bible says that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise upon the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. That's the God that we serve. He does good every day. He gives us sunshine. He gives us rain when we need it. Then he gives us more sun. He gives us more rain. He does it every day. He's in control of all of those things. Aren't we thankful that God's the one giving all of those things and in control of those things and not us? In Ephesians 1, 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. So if you're in Christ Jesus today, God blesses you every day with spiritual blessings also. He gives you the food that you eat. He gives you every good and perfect gift. He gives you the rain. He gives you the sunshine. He gives you the clothes that's on your backs. And then he gives you the forgiveness of sins, the privilege of prayer, being able to worship him and him accepting it if it's done and offered in his, according to his will. Spiritual blessings. We pray for forgiveness every day, don't we? That's one of the reasons for having that daily habit because we can ask him day after day after day, please forgive us of our shortcomings and give us strength to do better the next day. And so Christianity is about giving, isn't it? 
God gave His Son. His Son gave His life. The Holy Spirit gave the Word. And what are we to be doing? Giving. Now we all understand that the godly give every Lord's Day. That's very important. That we give. There's a time set aside by the men of the congregation. Where there's elders of the eldership. When we are to give on the first day of the week. This is a specific giving. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 and 2. Paul said. Now concerning the collection for the saints. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia. Even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store. As God has prospered him. That there be no gatherings when I come. We know we've been commanded to give on the Lord's day. To the Lord. To give back to him. But that's something we do weekly. We continue to do it though, don't we? Every Lord's Day, every week. In Acts 2 verse 42, when the church has beginning, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That's the Greek word koinia, which means giving, the fellowship, the joint participation. So that's where your contribution comes in. They, they continued in that, breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and in prayer and giving as the bible points out in second corinthians 8 verse 24 is really a proof of your love is what paul said in other words god says prove to me how much you love me and the one way we do that is by sacrificial giving on the lord's day i don't know what everyone gives but i sure know this on the Lord's Day, when I have the privilege to give, I want to give enough to him that he says, Mike loves me. I don't want him to look at it and go, what is this? I mean, I remember years ago, I was working at a sawmill. and I was working really hard, and I was at the stacker, and I was a stick man. This is so much fun. When the boards come out to be stacked before they go in the dry kill, you got three or four men over there and they got these little sticks, little pieces of boards that you put in between each layer and you just work, work, work. Well, I got a promotion. They moved me over to be the man that would take the stack of boards and take them in and put them in the dry kill so that it could be dried. They gave me a 20 cent an hour raise, two whole dimes. I thought, man, if that's the best y'all can do, keep your 20 cents. And that's not enough to make a difference in anything. I wonder when God looked at our contribution on the Lord's Day, they say, well, you just keep that little bit if that's the best you can do. Not that it's not, you know, like the widow, of course, she gave two mites, but that was all she had. I'm afraid sometimes in the church people give two mites and they've got lots of money. But see, we've got to keep in mind that what we give and how we give in proportion to what we have that God's given us it's a proof of our love. God says, how much do you love me? I'm going to give you an opportunity to show me. And I'm afraid some may not love God that much, but maybe they just haven't put it all together yet. And But we also know that the godly, they give, the way they give, is, it's really important. We are to give willingly, right? Because we want to. If, if we don't want to, you might as well just keep it. And, but on the Lord's Day, we should give willingly. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12 Paul said to the church at Corinth, for if there be first a willing mind, that's where it all starts, isn't it? A willing mind. I want to, you know, you probably will to give more than what you can give. 
You would love to give God more, but you actually can't do it because then somebody would have to give to you to support you. But you'd probably love to give everything you've got in your account. That willing mind, that's what's important, that we give, we will to give. Because he says it's accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. So God don't expect us to give what we don't have, but he wants us to give willingly. We give purposely. You know, we have a, we, we plan it. It's a plan giving. It's not something that you do on Sunday morning. You, it's the plate comes around, you start digging in your pocket, see if you got any change left, and you throw it in there real quick. It's, that's not the way God wants us to give. It's planned out. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, he says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. You plan it out. You think about it ahead of time. You probably know what you're going to give the Lord next week. Especially if you're on a set amount. You know what you're going to give next week, the next week, the next month. You know what you're going to give. Uh, and so you purpose, you plan in your heart. And then, of course, he says, don't give it grudgingly and not of necessity. But give it because God loves a cheerful giver. That goes back to that willing heart, right? That willing mind. You got the willingness. And so you have it to give. And so you give. That's acceptable. You give bountifully. According to 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That's a principle, right? If you've ever done any farming or... Maybe you've had a garden, and you know, as a general rule, if you put a lot of seed out, uh, you get a lot of harvest, don't you? Well, you just put a little bit out, chances are you're not going to get that much back. And so the Lord, when we give more, He gives us more, not, not to store up in storehouses, but to give away, to use to His glory. So the more we can, we, can, we can give, the more He'll give back, the more we can give away cheerfully isn't that wonderful we give selflessly not selfishly but selflessly in second corinthians chapter 8 beginning with verse 3 the bible says about the brethren of macedonia for to their power i bear record yea beyond their power they were willing of themselves what that means is those brethren gave more than they were actually able to give. And they were very poor people. And then he tells us what's most important to me. The key to that is, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You see, that's the key, isn't it? When we truly, truly give ourselves to God, giving's not a problem, is it? Not on the Lord's day, it's not a problem. The only problem we may have is we wish we could give more. But giving what we can give, that's not a problem. But it's also not a problem in giving in our daily lives. And that's really what I want to focus on for the next few minutes. Is that the godly give daily. In our lesson text in Titus chapter 2, if we had went all the way down to verse 14... Verse 14 says, who gave himself for us, talking about Christ being an example, the greatest giver of all, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. We sin, 
Romans 3.23, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, need to be redeemed, and purify unto himself a peculiar people. That peculiar doesn't mean like oddballs or strange, which the world may look at us that way, but it means his own special people. It's really a good word. And then he says that these, his own special people are zealous of good works. You see, we want to give. We're givers, right? We look for opportunity to do good works. We're zealous. We have zeal. And that zeal is we want to help others. We want to bless others because we know how rich we are. We've been blessed and are being blessed. In Ephesians 2, 8, everybody wants to talk about Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9. Well, actually, we want to go to verse 10. Because in verse 10, the Bible says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God made us and has chosen us to do good works. That's our lives. That's what we do from day to day. We treat people good. We, we look for opportunities to be that helping hand, that, that servant, that minister, that one that can do some good deeds, do something for others. In Galatians 6.10, Paul said, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Did you notice he said do good unto all men as we have opportunity? It's not just about doing good to people we like. Uh, that's good. And that's really easy, isn't it? When, we, when people do good to us, we do good back to them. It's like, oh, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. You know, that's all good. That's wonderful. But you know something? God expects more out of us than that. He really does. The people of the world do that for each other, right? Back scratching. They take care of each other. The people that they like, they take care of. But I want you to notice something. If you will, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I want you to notice what Jesus taught. Very important. I'm just going to, we'll start with about verse 30. Verse 30. It, you can go up a little bit further, but we'll just start verse 30. To every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them that do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much gain. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, and I always am, it's hard for me to do for someone that does not seem to be thankful. What about you? 
when you bless them and you do and you do and you do and they seem to be ungrateful. But you see, that's the difference in those that are living godly lives. They do for sinners. They, they just, they have a habit of giving that is unlike people of the world. If we only give to them that give to us, we give expecting return and all those things, that's no different than the world. But Christ came to teach us to be different from the world. We love different than the world. We give different than the world. We sacrifice different than the world. Our focus is different than the world. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21, Paul said, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. When someone does us wrong, don't we want to get them back? Don't we want to get even? Or maybe even above even? But God teaches us not to think like that, not to be that way. That all belongs to God. Verse 20 tells us what we're to do. Let God take care of the vengeance. What we're to do is, notice verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy, not thy best friend or family member, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You can imagine when people treat you evil, uh, they treat you wrong, and you turn around and respond by doing something good to them. How can that make that person feel good? Don't you know many times they just feel ashamed? And quite often they don't understand it because it's not the ways of the world. So it's strange to them. But you know if you keep doing that, eventually many times you can win their hearts. It's amazing how many godly women have won their old rotten, stinking, evil husbands over to Christ through the years by just simply doing God's will, as Peter talks about winning them without the word, not having to preach to them, just being a godly wife. And eventually their hearts melt. It doesn't always work that way, but I know many examples, and I'm sure you do. And so, those that are living godly lives, they're givers. And they give to the ungodly, to the sinners. But they also give to the saints. As Paul, uh, James mentioned in James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, he said, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute, notice this, of daily food, daily food, they have daily needs. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful for the body. What doth it profit? He's rebuking them. Don't just say, Oh, I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. Go on your way. That's not Christianity. That's not living a godly life. No, we're givers. We see a brother or sister that's in need. We want to meet their needs. That's what we do every day. If we see a brother, sister, or someone in need, we're here to help. That's what we do. We give. We give of our time. We give of what we, our resources. We give anything we can to help. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, 
John said, But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's what we do. We give to sinners. We give to saints. We give to those that are in need. Here's the bottom line. We've known it all along. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12. Whatsoever therefore you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So, good rule of thumb, right? Treat people like you want to be treated. Be kind. Be nice. Give. Help. Try to meet their uh, the issues that they have. There are a lot of people that we read about in the Bible who, who did not give and they were punished because they did not give. The first one you may think of would be perhaps the rich man that was there with Lazarus. In Luke chapter 16, you remember Lazarus, the poor beggar, he couldn't even walk. The Bible said he was laid at the rich man's gates full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Can you imagine what a pitiable sight he must have been? Just wanted crumbs. Rich man wouldn't give him crumbs. Well, you know the story. They both died. The beggar wasn't even buried as far as we can tell. But when the rich man died, he was buried. But then when he lifted up his eyes, he was in torment. And he, saw a, and he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, place of comfort. But you know what? He was too stingy to give. He had much. Rich man. And then I think about the old rich farmer in the parable that Jesus gave. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. Who he just was blessed abundantly by God and and uh, it just seemed like he just he didn't have anywhere to put everything so he had to tear down his barn to build greater barns and then he said what am I going to do soul soul that has much good laid up for many years take that ease eat drink and be merry he was given all that he could have been giving it away there were a lot of people that needed what he had he had what he needed and much much more but you remember God said thy fool this night shall thy soul be required of thee. And then who shall those things be? So we have a godly habit. We don't want to build bigger barns. We don't want to store up more and more and more and more. We want to take what God gives us and give it to others. Because we are godly people striving to live godly lives in this present world. But then, then we have those examples of those who, who did give. The ones that we want to follow, like the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. You remember he was on his way and he found this man that had been beaten and robbed and left for half dead. And you remember the Levi and the priest, the religious ones? They, they looked and they crossed over to the other side. They, they didn't have time for this man. But the Bible said, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, the beaten man. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You see, we are to be compassionate people. That's what we want to help and do for those in need. Our hearts are, are torn when we, we hear of what's going on in people's lives. And, and they have these needs. And we want to be a part 
uh, being able to help them. And so he went to him and he bound up his wounds. He gave him some time, didn't he? He gave him some attention. And he had something there that he bound his wounds. He, he uh, pouring in oil and wine. And he set him on his own beast. Can you imagine that? He takes his man. Instead of riding his beast himself, he puts this beaten man on his beast. He says, I'll sacrifice. I'll walk it on into town. I'm going to let him ride and not have to walk. And then brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. He continued to minister to him. He was a giver. He was, he was a caregiver. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence. He gave up his money, didn't he? He paid. I'm sure he didn't expect it back. And he gave uh, them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. He didn't even try to get an estimate. You know, how much is it going to be if, if it's a week before I get back or two weeks? He said, it's on me because I'm a giver. Oh, we need to be like that, right? Be good Samaritans. Look, I'll guarantee you anything that man would have spent on that beaten man would have been restored to him many times over by God. What about Dorcas? You remember when she died? The Bible says in Acts 9, verse 36, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman, notice this, was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. When I was in Memphis School of Preaching, there was an elderly lady. Her name was Sister Jessie. And she was always, I don't know if it's crocheting, knitting, she was always, every holiday, everything that would come up, you know, if it was Valentine's, she would, she would do a bunch of hearts. And she'd give to every one of the preacher students. And so most of us would put them on our jackets and pin them. Because in one sense, it wasn't much. But in another sense, it was so much. She did that. And her hands, her fingers were all crippled up with arthritis but that was something sister Jessie could do she probably taught us as preachers one of the greatest lessons that we were taught in two years do what you can with what you have to serve others sister Jessie and so it's it's Dorcas was like that there, there she is dead and and people are gathered around that, that loved her because she was so full of good works and doing always doing these good deeds. In verse 39 it said, Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Isn't that something? She was always doing something. She was busy serving others. Making coats. Making clothes to keep people warm. Garments. What a special person. You see, you don't do all that just every once in a while when you think about it. That was just a way of life. It's a daily thing. Taking care of others. May God help us all. 
to have the habit of giving. Be a giver. Give, give, and give. That's what Christianity is about. That's where you find your true joy. You remember Jesus said in Acts 20 verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We've all lived long enough to experience that. Most likely you've been on both ends, the giving end and the receiving end. And I know which one you like the best, the giving. That's where the real joy is, to have, to be able to share with others. Let that be a daily habit. And so habits of godly living, we pray every day, we trust God every day, we study every day, we obey Him every day, and we give every day. Do you have these daily habits? You may be thinking, as we've been studying together, you may have had the thought run through your mind that, you know, well, you know, uh, I, do, uh, I do study, but I only study maybe once or twice a week. I don't really do it daily. Well, you've got room for improvement. You may think, well, I kind of trust in God. Uh, but my prayer life is really not what it ought to be. I pray from time to time, especially when I get in trouble or things are not going well or somebody's about to die. I, I pray, but do I pray on a regular basis, as Paul said, without ceasing? No, nah, not that much. And I, I do for people every once in a while, but room for improvement. Just add to what you're doing. Make it a habit. Not just something that every once in a while you think about it and you say, oh, well, I hadn't done that lately. I need to go do it. No, no. Make it as much of a habit as it is for you to eat every day. As it is, hopefully, for you to take a shower every day or a bath. You know, those are things we're taught, good hygiene. It's just a habit. It's something we do. Make sure that you have these habits in your life and that they are daily habits. If you're not there, let that be a goal for you. Strive to get there where these are daily habits. If you're here this morning and you haven't obeyed the gospel, you can do all the things that we talked about today and still be lost. You can have all those good habits and still be lost Except, of course, the obedience part. You can do everything else. But you've got to have that obedience. You've got to obey. The rest doesn't really matter if you're not willing to obey the gospel. And to obey the gospel means that you're going to be set apart from the world. See, when you obey the gospel, then you become sanctified. That means you no longer do like the world does, but you do what Christ wants you to do. And so that begins by believing with all your heart, that, that the Bible is true, that Jesus Christ is what he claimed to be. He is, that is, the Son of God. You've got to believe that. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You've got to believe. You've got to repent of all your sins, Luke 13, 3. You've got sin in your life. You can't habitually have the habit, habitually continue in sin, any sin. That does not mean you do not commit isolated acts of sin, but it's not a habit. It's not a way of life with you. You've got to have that godly sorrow that leads you to repent. And then you must make the confession that all have made, that have obeyed the gospel, and that is confess that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
and then be baptized, Acts 2.38, for the remission of sins. To have your sins washed away. And then be busy developing these godly habits in your lives. And if you'll be faithful to the end, he's promised you a home in heaven. If you're here and you need to respond, if we can assist you in obeying God in any way, won't you make it known and come forward as together we stand and sing.